Welcome to the 40th episode of Cup of Cubby Blue, your series by series check-in for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us on our Twitter account at at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Kruzanasek, and I'm coming to you from Chicago, Illinois. I love it so much. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's just, it's so strange that we're like literally within a couple miles of each other, and I'm in my hotel room recording this, so. <laughs> well, because we don't know how to record in the same room. <laughs> never, Let's just be honest. <laughs> we've never done that. So we were like, we know how to record in separate like spaces, so we'll just keep right. doing that. Um, but we did get to hang out yesterday, Sunday at the Cubs game, and we're going to talk about that a lot in a minute. Um, and I'm we're going to hang out again tonight on Monday at Cubs Social Media Night. So if you are not signed up already and you have a ticket to the Cubs-Reds game tonight at Wrigley Field, be sure to sign up for Social Media Night. It's a blast. Um, it goes from 4.30 to 6.30 at the Brickhouse Tavern. There's lots of raffles and giveaways and T-shirts and prizes and fun people. The people are really the best part um, and we will be there and we would love to see you. So if you're there and you listen to the show, come say hi. Um, Andy and I are not hard to find. We're a little we, loud. Well, and we say we kind of laugh and we say that this is like Cub social media prom. Yeah, like it our, is. This is like it's our prom. Like Cub's Twitter prom. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So definitely come hang out and come find us. Um all right, let's jump into, honestly, what was kind of a wild series with the Pirates, but not in the way that Cubs-Pirates series are normally wild. The, the Cubs scored a lot of runs in the last three days, um, like an absurd, historic, ridiculous amount of runs in the last three days. I was just looking this up before we started recording because the Cubs tweeted this out yesterday. So the Cubs scored 47 runs, which is their most in a three-game series since 1894. It's the most by any MLB team since 2000. During that time period, as a team, they posted a 496 on base percentage and a 1368 ops, which is absurd. I, I don't even – that's as a team. That includes pitchers. Pitchers hitting is included in those numbers. Uh, and they set a franchise record – of 14 home runs in a three-game set while allowing zero opponent home runs. So that's all crazy. Andy, what's your top, what's your overview of the weekend before we get into in-game specifics? Well, I think it was it was best said by MLB when they said the Chicago Cubs scored a billion runs this weekend. <laughs> I mean, it might not be close to a billion, but it sure as heck feels like it. Yeah, 47, a billion. I mean, they're basically the same thing. Right? Oh, my goodness. Once you get so high, it, it kind of is the same thing. I mean, it really was just an absurd offensive onslaught. And, like, I – so I, I'm not going to lie. Let's We can start with game one. I was really nervous listening to this game on the train on my way home on Friday because the fir- top of the first inning Cubs were sloppy. There were errors. Things were not going well. And they were very quickly down 4 nothing against the Pirates in a series that the Cubs needed to win. And I was on the edge of my seat, angry, nervous, fr- 
frustrated, had to walk into an appointment, get myself settled. And by the time I looked at my phone again, the Cubs had hit three home runs, including a 460-foot blast by my favorite, Wilson Contreras, and Nico Horner's first home run in the major leagues to go up five to four. And I was just like, I don't even know what just happened. How did that happen in the last 10 minutes? <laughs> well, I will say that I probably prematurely tweeted on Friday when I watched that first inning and the defense was atrocious. And you and I had just discussed in the last podcast, or more so I emphasize how I feel about bad defense. It's It obviously has the possibility to lose games. And it's just at this level, at this point in the season, it should not be happening. So for for that first inning to come out the way it did, I was very nervous that that was setting the tone for the whole rest of the game. So, yeah, I, I definitely tweeted that the defense looked atrocious. And here we were, you know, already going down big in the first first inning. So it was really nice to see them come back in the bottom of that inning. I mean, you weren't wrong. The defense did look bad in that first thing. They didn't look crisp. Um, Contreras had a throwing error. Almora had a throwing error. Both of those errors cost the Cubs a bunch of bases and runs. It was not great. And frankly, the the defense, there were there were some little holes here and there all weekend. But it, it's you can get away with that a tiny bit when you score 17 runs. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. <laughs> they did in game one. And it was, it was crazy. Um, now I would like to see the defense crisp itself up because you, you're just not going to score 17 runs every night and you've got to, you got to play sharp. Um, but the, that for game one, at least it wasn't, it was not the death knell for this team. Um, in game two, so I, I was at this game and I frankly was sure that it was going to be one of those like two, one pitchers duels or something because that's what always happens after you score that type of uh, you have that type of offensive output output in the game before. And that, that was not what the Cubs had in mind. That was not what the Cubs had in mind at all. Um, they only scored 14 runs <laughs> in this game. Oh my gosh. So crazy. <laughs> I mean, um, wow. But in addition to only, I, I feel, I feel really terrible saying that scoring 14 runs in this game, I'm pretty sure that the pitching and the defense was a lot better in this one, um, which I liked a lot. So the final for this, was it 14 to three or 14 to one? 14 to one. 14 to one. I don't know why I had three in my head. Um, and that one came late. Uh, Tucker hit a triple and then came home. And, you know, what are you going to do about that? But the defense looked much better in this game. And I was, ha- I, w- I was really, really quite happy about it. Um, what did you think of game two, Andy? Well, it, it's kind of funny because you think after a game like Friday that there's no way that type of offense is sustainable for another game. Like the amount of runs they've scored already on Friday, you're kind of like, you know, save some for the rest of the games. <laughs> um, <laughs> As if it works that way. Right. I mean, it, it was just kind of one of those things where you're like, okay, at least just give us a couple runs to work with here in game two. And I mean, in this game of the eight innings that they played, that they were on the offense, they only had two innings where they actually didn't score. So, I mean, it it just, to me, it was, it was really fun to see. You had a lot of guys contributing. I mean, Rizzo was two for three. Cassianis was two for three. Bryant was three for three. Um, Zobris was two for two. I mean, a lot of guys 
went out there and and had real solid games and it was the wealth was was pretty much spread around to everybody so that was really great to see and you like to see that offense respond to a game like Friday in the way that they did and especially behind an outing that Hendricks had I mean six innings pitched he only he gave up seven hits um one earned run two strikeouts but just solid all the way around it was just it was a really good outing for him and you know like I've said a million times against a team that we should be doing this to every single time we've played them so it was good to finally look that way in this series and and, you know, I just hope that we keep rolling and, and we we did save some offense for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Hendricks, I, I can't say enough good things about Kyle Hendricks in that game. He really looked like vintage Kyle Hendricks. He was getting a lot of swing and miss. It was good on that changeup. And he was keeping the ball in the yard in a weekend where, well, all of them were. There were no home runs given up to the Pirates this weekend. And a weekend where the wind was blowing out and sometimes howling out at Wrigley. And that's that's impressive work from the Cubs pitchers right there. Um, You mentioned Anthony Rizzo, and we're about to talk about game three, which we both attended together. This was Pedro Stroke bobblehead day at Wrigley on Sunday. And let's just talk about clearly the most important thing that happened in this game, which is that the Cubs lost Anthony Rizzo early in this one. In the third inning, um, he was fielding a bunt and just rolled his ankle really bad. I a, cu- a couple of things. So one, we have confirmation from the Cubs that they did an x-ray and it was not broken, which I take as good news. I mean, it's not going to be, that does not mean we're out of the woods here, people. There can be ligament damage and it can be pretty severe. Rizzo is going to have an MRI today, that is Monday, to see what the extent of any ligament damage might be. Andy and I were sitting in the 200s on the first baseline and we had a really good view of this play and the aftermath. And I'm not going to lie to you people. Rizzo was in pain, in a lot of pain. I've never seen Anthony Rizzo react like that to anything in his time in the major leagues. Um, He had to be helped off the field by Jason Hayward, who came in from the outfield and a trainer. Um, It looked really bad. I would not be surprised if there's some serious ligament damage there. Yeah. And you and I discussed this quite a bit and I'm sure we'll get into this um, in a minute, but sometimes, you know, like I told you yesterday, you almost would rather it be a break because healing a bone is a lot more, you know, definitive and it, 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 it's just the bone that you're worried about something like this, where it's a sprain, it can come back up. It can be a nagging injury I mean, it's something that like he was not putting any weight at all on that foot. And it just you could just tell there was he was in a lot of pain there. I'm really nervous about what we find out today. But I I really you know, I I don't pretend to know exactly what's going to happen. But I would be surprised if we see him again this season. Well, I mean, and and again, and I think that I want to emphasize the first part of what you said there, not because I disagree with the second part. Like I just said, I thought it was really bad. We, We are not doctors. We don't have an MRI. We're not going to know what happened until the Cubs tell us. Um, It's possible, you know, some people were in my mentions on Twitter yesterday who listened to the show who were saying, look, he could, it could just be a bad role and it feels better in a couple of days and he comes back. That is true. 
other people were saying that it could be really serious damage. That is also true. Like, we don't know. But the the point is that, you know, the Cubs are going to have to deal with the possibility of trying to finish out the last four series here and they're really important games without Javi Baez and without Anthony Rizzo. And that is a, I mean, if you had told me that the Cubs were going to come down the stretch with seven head to head games against the Cardinals in a division race without Javi Baez and without Anthony Rizzo, I, that, that just makes my heart sink. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely one of the things that um, is worth mentioning is you know, everybody is definitely keeping their eyes on us. They have seen that, you know, we've, we've suffered some serious injuries here late in the season and they're watching how we respond to that. And don't think that there's not a whole group of teams watching us and, and, and how we're, how we're doing here at the, the final stretch, because there is a tight wild card race. Obviously we'll get into that. There is a division race. You know, I just don't know how much this team can take, you know, how many punches in the mouth they can take and and still be able to survive. So, you know, yesterday, and it was tremendous the way this team responded and kind of ran around this this loss, if you will. Um, Obviously, Q um, was not himself when he came back to pitch after this. I mean, I don't know how you can be. That's a really jarring thing to, to go through and then be expected to come back and just he just wasn't himself so he didn't make it out of the third but the bottom of the third Chris Bryant you know basically came back and and punched back if you will and hit first pitch that he saw into the left field bleachers and I think that was such a statement and that was something that this team needed tremendously and they've wanted him in that spot for a while now so for him to kind of come out and take charge was huge and I think it was the the jolt that this team needed, you know, to kind of say, guys, we're not done, you know, yes, our, our captain went down, but that doesn't mean that we can't finish this game and, and keep moving. Cause that's, you know, really that's what you have to do. You know, it is what it is. This injury is going to be what it is, but this team has got to keep playing and they got to keep winning if they see any kind of postseason this year. Yeah. I mean, and I do want to, I want to emphasize what Andy said there, like the Cubs came back with a statement and I think I turned and looked at her that home run by KB is the most clutch home run that Chris Bryant has hit in a Cubs uniform. I mean, that was everybody felt terrible in the ballpark at that moment. I don't know if you've ever been in a space where it feels like 45,000 people just got sucker punched in the gut, but that's what Wrigley field felt like in the bottom of the third inning yesterday. It went from raucous to quiet real fast. Quintana didn't record another out after Rizzo got hurt. At least I don't think he did. He might've gotten one. Um, and the Pirates were up five to three after the Cubs have had a great first inning. And everybody in that park was trying to figure out what was going on with Anthony Rizzo when Chris Bryant just kind of Bradwick came in and got a couple of outs that were desperately needed. And then Chris Bryant came in and got that crowd going again. And it was really great. And the Cubs then rolled on to 16 runs because, of course, they did. Of course, they scored 16 runs. They weren't home. I, I don't even know. It was nuts. It was wild. Um, but I, that was really nice to see from KB. If Anthony Rizzo is going to miss an extended amount of time, he is going to have to step up like that, as are a bunch of other guys. And and we're going to see some different lineups than what we've been used to. We're probably going to wind up seeing, for example, I, I would imagine they would put Caratini at first base sometimes and Wilson behind the plate, having both catchers in the game more frequently because that's a slightly better offensive lineup for them. 
Um, Hap did a nice job at first yesterday, but he's not really a great first baseman. You'd rather see him in the middle infield or the outfield, or at least I would. Um, I just don't think he has that same reach and ability to, you know, keep balls from going into the stands that Anthony Rizzo does. Not that Caratini does either, but Caratini is slightly better at it. Um, so we might see some weird alignments here as the Cubs try to hold this one down in a, in a really, really tight division and wild card race. Um, go ahead, Andy. No, I was just going to say, I really... <clears throat> I love that Ian Happ came in and um, definitely, you know, was in a spot where you you hate to have to be pulled into a game in that situation. But, you know, he had a couple great at-bats. He had a couple RBIs. He does make me very nervous at first base. If you watch him and you compare the, the defensive styles of him and Anthony Rizzo, he catches the ball very late. Like yeah. his glove, you know, Rizzo catches the ball way out in front of him and gives him time to – you know, react to it and control the ball. And if, you know, it's a crazy throw, that's why he's so good at what he does. But Hap sits back and catches it really late. And it, that always makes me so nervous. But he did a great job. I mean, that's a hard spot to come into. And those are some awfully big shoes to fill. Not that he's, you know, filling every role that Anthony Rizzo is to this team. But he, you definitely have to come in and be a solid player. You know, even just if you can produce, that's great too. And he he was really he was really good. I mean, you know, we've been hard on Hap this year. He's been kind of up and down, and it was good to see him come into that spot and still be able to produce and and do what he did. And you know, nobody loves to to have to see someone like Anthony Rizzo go down like that. But this team responded well. You know, you hate to be in that situation, but to come back the way that they did. And I mean, after his injury, they scored five, seven, nine, ten, thirteen runs. I mean, so obviously. They knew what they had to do, and they went out and did it. And offensively, that was so important, especially because, again, you felt like hitting these kind of numbers in game three of this series after they had the first two games that they did, you didn't think was sustainable. So for them to do that again was just like, guys, save some runs for the rest of the series. <laughs> no, I think, they, I think they should just keep being on fire. This on fire. I, I'm here for the – the Cubs are on fire, and I am here for it. Um, Hap, I, one more shout-out there. He did hit a home run in this game as well. Uh, he was – Really, he was helpful at the plate. That was great. The home runs in this game also just kept coming. And I'm like, oh, my God. Kyle Schwarber hit his 36th home run. That was an opposite field shot, which was great. And then Jonathan Lucroy, who, like, look, the bat has not really been there for Jonathan for the last few seasons. And I think we all know that. He hit one to Waveland. <laughs> like, I'm not sure that ball has landed yet. And that one went 433 feet, according to the scoreboard. I honestly thought it went a little bit farther. Our friend Ballhawk Dave caught that ball and had post had it posted up on Twitter. I always check with Dave to see if a ball actually made it to the street or if it got stuck on the concourse somewhere. So that was a nice shot from him coming in in the late innings to cover first base after the Cubs had a 10-run lead. Yeah, I was happy to see that, too, because you know with guys like that and their limited apps. You want them down the stretch to be able to contribute when they come in. And for him to do that, that is like the best way possible that you could contribute. So you know, props to him for coming in and limited action lately and, and being able to hit a home run like that because that was a bomb. I was actually thinking about this. And I, Andy, I have not done any of the tallying from the feet multiplier for dollars for dingers. But I feel like the Cubs this weekend cost you a lot of money. 
Yeah, I'm kind of dreading doing that, and I definitely need to go in and do it. And I, yeah, it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. They put a dent in my bank account, but you know what? I'm happy to do it. I'm that they did it. <laughs> um, if you are not signed up, you can still sign up. You can sign up all the way through September. We are donating a pledged amount every time a Cub hits a home run in September. And don't get me wrong, they put a dent in my bank account this weekend too. 14 home runs in three days is no joke. But Andy has a multiplier on hers where she gives additional money for every foot over 400 feet. And between Wilson Contreras and Jonathan LaCroix alone yesterday, I think that she wound up, I don't know. I don't even know how much more money Andy owes. A lot. Just a know lot it's money. a lot. Yeah. A lot of money. The Cubs are costing us money, but it's going to a great cause. It all goes to support the National Domestic Violence Hotline. The Mets fans are way ahead of us. I mean, if y'all ever wanted to chase down the Mets in September, now is the time to add your name <laughs> to our list and chase down the Mets for the 50th anniversary of that 1969 season, people, because they are currently way out in front. We are We are getting hammered by the Mets on this Dollars for Dingers campaign. Um, the last play I want to talk about from game three, cause it was just so crazy and incredible. And I think Andy liked this one too, was Tony Kemp's triple, which cleared the bases, but also like, we kind of thought Kemp might be able to just come home on this play. Like that might've been an inside the park home run. Uh, he was, I, he's fast, man. I knew he was fast, but like, he is really fast. Well, that was just, that was such a well-placed hit. Like the whole game and, you know, I, I take great pride in, in seeing stuff like this and knowing that. Yeah, Andy like called this, this one, y'all. <laughs> I mean, they were playing so far off the right field line. I did not understand what they were doing. Like, again, somebody like Zogris, who, I mean, he obviously can hit away quite a bit, but he pulls too. And and yesterday he, I was pointed out to Sarah, I'm like, I have no idea what they're doing, but their defensive lineup, they were way off the line. I mean, way off the line. Their right fielder was almost right center. And it was crazy to me. And he sure did. Ben Zobers pulled one up the right field line. Well, then Tony Kemp came up and did the same thing. And they were still way off that line. So he had plenty of time to to hit the track there. And yeah, I mean, it was his slide was awesome. You could tell that, you know, it was kind of one of those for effect slides because <laughs> there was no play. Even cl- yeah, it was not even close. Like you definitely could have walked into third and possibly even made a move to home. Um, but yeah, that was, that was phenomenal. And you love to see a guy like that, get that hit. That was a big hit. Everybody was still kind of trying to figure out what was happening with Rizzo. So that was, that was pretty massive. It was, it was a great feeling for someone off the bench like that to be able to produce and, and have a great, uh, a great at bat and, and, and put something great into play. And it was awesome. It was something that it was really easy to cheer for this team yesterday. And, and Tony Kemp was, I mean, he was psyched when he was yeah, at he was third and, psyched. you know, screaming towards the dugout. That was just great. That's good feels at, when it was really hard to, to feel good about anything at that point. Well, and the other thing that was crazy about that play, and I just wanted to review it in case people at home were a little bit confused, is that that was also the play where the Pirates thought one of the Cubs had not hit third. And so they threw over on an appeal. So they weren't throwing over to try to catch Tony Kemp off the bag or anything, but the throw from Natali Feliz was wild. And so Kemp, that's a live ball. And so Kemp came home on the appeal throw, which I, I've never seen that before. <laughs> that was so weird. I mean, there was a lot of kind of weird stuff that happened, like quirky stuff. And that was, yeah, that was definitely like, we all kind of looked around like, what just happened? <laughs> what was that? And, well, the guys behind me and Andy were definitely happy to explain it to everybody. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think my ears are still bleeding. Like that was just ugh, atrocious. Look, I I get like wanting to talk through plays at the ball game. Andy and I do it. If you ever sit by us, you'll hear us talk about plays like we were just doing. I mean, she was talking about where they were on the line and this, that, and the other thing. But there's a difference between that and being the guy who thinks he knows everything at a baseball game. And if you're going to be that guy, you better be sure you have it right. Because the people behind us, I'm just going to say, like, couldn't even pronounce David Bodie's name correctly. It's really but hard to listen. Boat. I, it's really hard to listen to somebody explain <laughs> double switching when they're like, yes, boat, boat apparently needs more playing time. And I'm like, is this a joke? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I There are so many times. There was people over my left shoulder and then the particular people that she's talking about were right behind her. I just wanted to turn around. <laughs> like I was literally keeping a mental list of all the things that they were talking about that were either wrong or like I, I needed to add an extra point. And it took everything inside of me not to turn around and just go down the list and tell them everything. <laughs> like, oh, this is so painful. We did oh, not do God. that because we're not those people. <laughs> Well, and what was awesome is, you know, Sarah and I were talking and there was a family next to us on my left and the mom was sitting next to me and she clearly knew that we knew what we were talking about because every time something happened, she would look over at us and ask us questions. And it was funny because at one point the dad was telling her to ask us stuff. (laughs) Well, that that family was also adorable. They had two little kids, a little girl who was at her first game at Wrigley Field. She had like the certificate and everything. And she also had a ring pop, which if you were ever a little kid at a baseball game, you definitely had a ring pop at some point. But they were going to take their kids to run the bases. It was so fun to see. Like those are fans for life. You know what I mean? This little girl was oh just like jazzed and loving it. She was adorable. I'm like, seriously, I wish my first game was like this because this is <laughs> I don't know if you'll remember this, sweetheart, but mom and dad will, because that game was crazy. Absolutely. Um, okay, we actually, that was, a, that was a lot, but the Pirate Series, a ton happened, so we needed to go there. So um, we're going to take our break for our sponsors now. We're going to talk about the state of the race and the Red Series coming up after the break. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. And we're back. So while the Cubs were unleashing all of the runs on the Pirates, um, the Brewers took two of three from the Cardinals, including, I'm going to let Andy talk about this one because Andy has to listen to a lot of stuff from St. Louis people. I mean, the Brewers just took a heartbreaker from the Cardinals on Sunday. What happened in that game? I am so torn on this. So torn because there is a lot of disdain for the Brewers. Not going to lie. Not going to hide that. I've never been a fan ever, ever. They've made it easier to not like them the past couple of years. Obviously, you guys know how I feel about the Cardinals. I live in St. Louis. It's always a thing. So I was already torn on this series. I didn't know who I wanted to win, what games. I mean, I know that everybody had theories on this, on who they wanted to do what. And it was fine for me. As long as neither one of them swept, I was fine with it. Because it kind of all comes out in the wash. You basically start where you end up where you started. So for game three today or yesterday, Um, it looked like the Cardinals were going to pull out another win. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, then you take another glance at the scoreboard and there's a four spot in the top of the ninth. Uh, apparently John Gant walked three straight batters, which yes, I know. How do you walk three straight batters? Joe Madden, (laughs) he's not the only one that leaves a pitcher in to do that. And then Ryan Braun hit a grand slam. Now, listen, 
I know Chicago hates Brian Braun. I am at games when you hear the booze. I'm at games when you're in Milwaukee and the Cubs fans are so loud booing Ryan Braun. It's actually fantastic. But the Cardinals are, are another level of hate for Ryan Braun. I mean, I've never seen such anger in stands as you do in St. Louis when Ryan Braun comes up to bat. So for him to hit that grand slam in St. Louis, top of the ninth, to win the game basically for them, that was had to just be a dagger. And between my husband and my friend that um, is on ESPN St. Louis, they both both basically said that that was just that was a hit. That was a that was a, a major hit to the Cardinals. Um, one thing I will say, my friend from uh, St. Louis ESPN Radio did tell me that the mentality down there is that they are not chasing anybody, so they are still not real worried about it, which really surprises me but that's that fine keep wild. that mentality well, yeah that just, keep that so, mentality yeah that just seems kind of wild to me and like I get liking that place of comfort but that reminds me a lot of what got the tr- Cubs in trouble last September and if you remember the Cubs last September were not bad they played above 500 ball I think they went like 16 and 13 down the stretch or something like they were fine um but the Brewers were in chase mode and the Brewers played out of their mind baseball and the Cubs just kind of woke up one day not in first place alone anymore, and that was terrible. Um, and, you know, right now the Cardinals – so going into this weekend, the Cardinals had a four-game lead in the division. Now it's down to two. They are headed to Washington, D.C., where they need to face Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin. And that is a gauntlet to run on the road in September right before they have four games at Wrigley Field. And I – that's – I, look, I, I no love loss for the Cardinals. I hope this goes exactly as badly as planned. But, like, we are all Nationals fans, people, is what I am trying to say. And that is going to be that is going to be a wild series in D.C. And if I were a Cardinals fan, I think I'd be nervous right now um, because the Cubs are going to have three games against the Reds, who I know the Reds have given the Cubs trouble all year. We're going to talk about that more in detail in a minute, but I I cannot imagine that the Cubs are going to get the kind of trouble from the Reds that the Cardinals are about to get from a Nationals team that is also fighting for that top wild card spot. So it's a it's going to be a wild week of baseball here, people. I just my whole thing is I don't understand that mentality. We're not chasing anybody. Like the, there should be a little bit more sense of urgency, especially because. They, you know that they've done their research and they're, look at, they're looking at who we're playing versus who they're playing. And we have head-to-head games. I mean, so many people had wrote off the idea that we could even still win the division with guys. It is totally, completely possible that we go into this series against St. Louis in first place. I mean, that is a possibility. Um, so for that for that to not even be on their minds or for them to act like it's not on their minds, I'm, I'm totally here for it. Like, you guys... Play that, play that mentality and see how it works. Because I promise you right now, this is a Cubs team that just watched their big guy go down. You know, they are hungry. You can tell there is a little bit more sense of urgency. They have found their offense and they're playing at home for the next how many games? I mean, seven. next seven the last games. seven yeah. games, yeah. Right. So, you know, I just don't know how that, this is not on their radar and maybe it is, you know, I obviously haven't been home to listen to, to the radio in St. Louis for a couple of days, but I mean, I just think they would be 
hurting themselves if they didn't look at it as, a, you know, this is a situation here where we could be out of first place here in a couple of days. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a wild week. Um, all of those games, by the way, are, it looks like 645 Central Time starts. So as you're scoreboard watching the Cubs, watch the Cubs games, but scoreboard watch the Nationals and the Cardinals. It's going to be, it's going to be a bit crazy, people. Um, speaking of games coming up, the, oh, and I, I'm sorry, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the Brewers are lurking just one game back in the wild card and three games back in the division now. Um, they don't have don't have that tough of a schedule, people. I don't. The Brewers don't count out the Brewers is what I'm trying to say. Um, it's it's going to be nuts. Uh, the Cubs, meanwhile, are going to face the Reds, and it has been no secret that the Cubs have struggled with the Reds all year. The Reds play the Cubs like it's their World Series. Um, the troubles have come from everywhere. It doesn't matter who's pitching. It doesn't matter who's batting. It doesn't matter if they just called up a kid. It doesn't. The the Reds have been a pain. And so this, it looks like the probable pitchers for this series are going to be um, Gosman versus Hamels tonight for social media night, Sonny Gray versus you Darvish on Tuesday, and Maley versus Lester. So the Cubs will not see Castillo and they will not see Bauer in this series, which is good. What are you thinking about these probable pitcher matchups, Andy? Well, kind of in the same mentality as the Chicago Cubs, I'm going to go ahead and say that they need to do what they should be doing as far as their defense needs to get cleaned up big time. Their starting pitching needs to be a little bit more solid and they need to go deeper into innings. And I'm looking at you, Hamels, and I'm looking at you, Lester. Um, it's just, it's been a little bit alarming. It's been a little nerve wracking. So, you know, this is a good opportunity to go back there go back out there, get on track, have good solid starts going into the last couple of weeks of the season and get some wins. I mean, this is a very beatable team. They have been all year. Yes, they play us like their hair is on fire. But, you know, this is an opportunity to, to rebound from their last starts, which both of them looked pretty shaky, um, and really show this team, you know, that they are the leaders that everyone thinks they are. And, you know, I know you've said that you're not worried about Lester, but – with each outing that he is not bouncing back and giving us a Lester type outing, I am getting more and more nervous. And so go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I want to clarify that because it's not that I'm not worried about Lester. It's that I've, I Lester's ability to, to zone in and perform when it matters is unparalleled to me in terms of September and postseason baseball. I've seen him do it in Boston. I've seen him do it in Chicago. The man is so good at focusing in and getting it done when he needs to get it done, regardless of what is going on with the rest of his season. And, and I don't think that that's luck. I mean, I know it shows up in the stats as luck. It looks like he's, his ERA is overperforming his FIP or whatever. I think that some of that is just like Lester is a grinder and he will figure out a way. And he does that. He's such a fierce competitor. And there's something about when I watch a Lester start, even a Lester start like Friday where you know, there's a four run first inning and everything looks like it's falling apart and nothing is going the right way. Lester comes back from that in a way that most pitchers do not. So for example, like Q falling apart yesterday in the third inning is not something I would expect to see from Lester at this stage in the game or Cole Hamels and the way that he has struggled to regain his dominance and like figure out 
things like pitching pitch location and how to get back to what we saw in first half Cole Hamels before the oblique injury. I don't worry about Lester in that same way. So I'm more worried about Hamels than I am about Lester, but it's not because I don't see that Lester is clearly aging and that he doesn't have the same stuff that he did a few years ago. It's just that there's something he's got something else, another level that he can still kick it into. And I trust him to do it. Well, and yes, I, I agree with all that. And I, it's, you know, a very good point, but I kind of feel like at this point we need to hit that level. Like it needs to be something where your wins. I mean, obviously wins matter throughout the entire season, but right now they're just so magnified because it's such a tight race for wild card, such a tight race for the division. Like, and this is a team that we shouldn't struggle with. This is a team that you should dominate and you should do so with ease. So, I mean, there's still major league hitters. I get that, but we're talking about John Lester when his stuff is right. It's ridiculous. So I, I just would like to see him come out and especially, you know, losing Anthony Rizzo. We still don't know for how long or anything like that. Like he needs to be a leader and step into that role and just take charge. And um, I really, I'd really like to see, to see him that this week, especially against the Reds. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, if you're looking for hot bats on the Reds, by the way, our old pal Eugenio Suarez has been killing it lately. So hopefully he can cool off a bit. He has always hit the Cubs hard. Um, he's slashing 395, 465, 1026. <laughs> that is his slugging oh in the last two weeks with a WRC plus of 263. Uh, I Yeah, he's been on fire. And Joey Votto has hit, hit his traditional, I, it's late in the season and I'm going to play stride. He's slashing 350, 458, 575 in his last two weeks. Um, for those of you who are wondering about the kid who hit all the home runs and just lit, lit the world on fire when he came up, Aristides Aquino has been struggling lately. In 51 plate appearances in the last two weeks, he's slashing 188, 216, 292. So hopefully he will continue to struggle at least through his time at Wrigley. Um, meanwhile, on the Chicago side of things, this is the best that the Cubs hot bats have looked in a while. <laughs> Mainly because they've got that whole, uh, you know, we scored all of the runs in <laughs> over the course of a weekend set in there. Um, so as you're watch, if you're headed to Wrigley Field to watch the Cubs play the Reds, keep an eye on these batters who have really been stepping it up. Chris Bryant is having the best stretch of his season. He's slashed 382, 476, 853 with a WRC plus of 226 in the last two weeks. Nicholas Castellanos is still on fire and he's really pumped it up since last week. He's had a nice little homestand. Jason Hayward and Wilson Contreras. And Nico Horner all also have um, WRC pluses over 150 for the last two weeks. So that's good stuff. That's five guys who are just absolutely killing it on the offensive side of the ball. Well, and, and not to be overlooked, definitely Nico Horner has been phenomenal for this team. I mean, to have him out there, he's obviously not Javi Baez. Nobody is Javi Baez, but he has a great glove, a very strong arm. His at-bats are, you know, have been very good. He's gone, made pitchers go deep into counts, and he's, you know, touched some balls, even just fouling them off that you really don't think he probably should be doing at the major league level after not even seeing AAA. So he's really been a nice burst of energy for this team. And, you know, it's such a good story, such a feel-good story. Um, you know, his family was all in the stands on Friday and did a really nice interview. 
um, or Saturday. It was just, it's such a great story and it just continues to write itself. And to have him out there and do what he's doing is just so refreshing at a time when, a te- you know, this team really needed that. So I'm hoping that we see a lot more of him, that he finds a, a home in Chicago and he's he's here to stay. I mean, I really can't see sending him back down after what he's done. Yeah, I can't either. I mean, obviously we'll see what happens with the rest of the season and in spring training, but Nico Horner has been everything this team needed with Javi Baez being hurt. And I'm, I'm so impressed with that kid. And I could not echo Andy any stronger. You've got to find this interview that Kelly Kroll did with his family when uh, in the stands on Saturday, it's, it's good stuff. I went back and watched it because obviously I was at the game on Saturday, so I could, I didn't see it real time, but it's definitely great stuff. Um, Okay. We are going to be watching to see if those bats stay hot and what the Cubs can finally do against the Reds. It is do or die time. It has been do or die time for a few weeks now and meaningful baseball in September is what we live for. So um, come say hi to us at social media night tonight. If you are going to be there, if you're not able to be there, give us a shout out on Twitter and we look forward to chatting with you soon.